1: In justifying this strange and unbiblical practices, that these churches have declared this to be a spiritual principle. They say, God cannot reach the heart without offending the mind. This is hogwash. This is absolutely hogwash and it's totally unscriptural. This results in an attitude that, that the more confused, the more weird that something is, it must be from God. That is not biblically correct. That is wrong thinking and wrong doctrine.
0: The Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of order, structure, and peace. In today's message, Pastor Dave will warn you about the dangers of those who seek to mislead with false doctrines. In his study, you'll learn about the false teaching that suggests God uses confusing or strange methods to draw the lost. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he begins his message, The Counterfeit Exposed. You are sure.
1: Today's message is entitled, The Counterfeit Exposed. So we're going to be in Acts 8, verses 14 through 25. If you will turn to Acts 8, verse 14, if you will read along with me silently, I'll read aloud through verse 25. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had, been only, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Are you afraid of something? Is there something in your life that makes you afraid? Now, many, many people around the world have these fears. They have a dread or even an aversion towards something. Sometimes this dread is so persistent this fear is so severe that it becomes an irrational fear, and it causes panic with inside. These fears are called phobias, and they come from the Greek word phobia. It's common for fear, but there's a notion of panic or fright involved. If you suffer from one of these fears or phobias, you know exactly what I'm speaking about, especially when I use the word panic. Some of these phobias are the fear of spiders, arachnophobia. The fear of confined places, claustrophobia. The fear of the number 13. Yes, there is a fear of such a thing. This is called criscatophobia. Many, many different fears with many, many different names. Do you know what the one thing magicians are overwhelmingly afraid of? you know what the one thing that magicians are overwhelmingly afraid of? The number one phobia that magicians have is detection. Being found out. Getting caught while they're performing. You might call this detectionophobia. Yeah, there's no word in the dictionary that says that. I made that up. But you get the point. Last week, we looked at the counterfeit Christian. The counterfeit Christian, we said, is one who looks like a Christian, talks like a Christian, acts like a Christian, when indeed they are not Christian. So the magician, like the counterfeit, their biggest fear is being detected. The counterfeit biggest fear is being called a phony, getting caught. Last week we were introduced to this man named Simon. Called him Simon the sorcerer. We get a glimpse of Simon and what he is all about when we look at the verses in 9 through 11 in chapter 8. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave great heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. So we find Simon, and one of his characteristics was he was a man full of pride. We found that right off the back because it says that he claimed that he was someone great. And anyone that claims that they're great has to be full of pride, if you look at Scriptures the way the Scriptures say. We talked about how the Bible has a very dim view of pride, and it has a very, very dim view of those that would be proud. We talked about that last week. In Proverbs 21, 24, it says, A proud and haughty man... Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. Arrogance there. In Psalm 10, verse 4, it says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not see God. God is in none of his thoughts. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low. God is not looking for the proud. God is looking for the humble. We know from Scripture that God gives grace to the humble and He resists the proud. God's looking for those that might humble themselves before Him. In Proverbs sixteen five, every proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. We're going to find that out today. Simon was a man who practiced sorcery. And it's safe to say that he was pretty good at what he did. He was good at his profession. His profession was basically magic. It was witchcraft involving enchantment, divination of evil spirits. The sorcerer even had power over commanding these evil spirits. And Simon applied his trade well, and he had this tremendous following. A lot of people from Samaria followed him wherever they went. He astonished the people to the point where they said, He is the great power of God looking at a man and said he is the great power of god i'm sure that he had his tricks down to a science never thinking he could be detective i'm sure he was confident and that he could confuse and he could confound the people for a long time he was confident in the lie that he perpetuated and because he astonished the people with his sorcery they followed him people are drawn to smoke and mirrors People are drawn to signs and wonders. People are drawn to anyone that can do something. Wow. That can astonish them. They were confused. They were mesmerized to believing the point that he might actually be from God. They were very, very confused on this point. you know. And Simon did not do anything to dispel their notions. He let them believe all that they wanted to believe. It's interesting that they were confused as to what the exact nature of this man was. And it's interesting that the very definition of confusion is astonishment. Distraction of the mind. And isn't that what a magician does? A magician confuses you and distracts your mind so you don't see what his hand is doing. Make it be known that at no time will my hand leave my arm. A magician is good at that. They're good at doing those type of things. The end result is, "Wow, how'd he do that?" How'd that happen? Unfortunately, there is confusion and unbiblical practices in many churches today. Confusion reigns and rules. Some, in justifying this strange and unbiblical practices at these churches, have declared this to be a spiritual principle. They say, "God cannot reach the heart without offending the mind." This is hogwash. This is absolutely hogwash, and it's totally unscriptural. This results in an attitude that that the more confused, the more weird that something is, it must be from God. That is not biblically correct. That is wrong thinking and wrong doctrine. Because I can tell you, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, Paul declares that God is not the author of confusion. No, God is a God of order. You can tell by looking at the orderly fashion in which he created universe. He didn't just say, oh, I'm going to make the sun and the, uh, no, no. There was a fashion to it. There was a specific pattern the way he made things. There was an order to it, the way he designed things. We saw today the most magnificent sight. How many of you think a cricket makes a sound by rubbing its legs together? Cricket does not do that. A cricket makes its sounds by its wings. Now, how many times have you walked over to find a cricket who was cricketing? And they stopped when you got there, right? And I'm thinking, how can anyone think there's not order in God's world? How can anybody think that this thing crawled out of a slime from the, from the ocean and became a cricket three billion years ago? It was impossible for me to think of, and it goes right along. God is a God of order. There's a purpose for everything that happens and purpose for everything that God has. I mean, look at heaven. Look at what happens in heaven in worship. John saw the cherubim around the throne of God and they were worshiping God as he declared his holiness and the eternal nature that he was. The four and twenty elders throw down their, their, uh, their crowns in response to the cherubim who are worshiping on the glassy sea before the throne of God. They declare the worthiness of God and, they re- and God receives the glory and honor that is being ascribed to him. It's not everybody doing their own thing. There's order. There's an order in the church. Definite order. When you go to a church service and everything seems to be disorderly and confusing, you know that God is not the order author of that confusion. Everything is done in order. In fact, Paul closes chapter 14 in the book of Corinthians when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14.40, he says in this exhortation, let everything be done decently and in order. There's an order to things. I believe we can take this and put it into our own personal lives. I believe there's a personal application here. Many times things get confusing. I don't know about your life, but in my life, things get confusing and sometimes they get confusing real quick. God is not the author of that confusion. Many times, I'm the author of my own confusion. Or we are the author of our own confusion. Why? Because we insist on doing things our way instead of God's way. We insist on doing things not God's will, but my will. And we insist on doing things that way. And it's amazing how confusing mess we can make out of our lives. How our lives all of a sudden seem to be going downhill. We can't understand it. I'm reminded of a beautiful hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When our lives are so full of confusion, when our lives are so twisted and tangled, the first place we should go is God. God restores order in our lives. It's possible that you might be in the midst of some confusion today. Things are... Confusing to you. You might not know which way to turn. You might be saying, What's happening? The beautiful truth is God brings order out of confusion. Read Genesis 1, verse 2. The earth was without form, it was void, and God brought order to it. God brought order to the earth. He began to make his work possible, he took order out of disorder. When we turn over to God, this tangled, confusing web that we've made of our own lives, he's able to bring order from it and to bring beauty from it. Beauty from ashes. Beauty from ashes. Order from confusion. We have to remember that in our lives. We have to remember that God wants an orderly thought. Orderly process. Confusion doesn't come from him. You know, for some time, Simon was the only game in town. The people heeded him because he astonished them. He confused them with their sorceries, with his sorceries, his tricks. And I like to call it his dog and pony show. Simon's power and sorcery were energized by Satan. And this power and energy was used only to do one thing. Magnify Simon. It wasn't due to magnify anybody else. Simon was saying, hey, look at me. Aren't I great? Have I told you how great I am lately? Let me show you a few more tricks. Let me astound you a few more. He loved to lift himself up to the point where people thought he was God. And this was confusing to the Samaritans because we learned on Wednesday night in chapter 4 of John, they were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah. Can you see them sitting there with all the things that are going on before them thinking, is this it? Could this be the Messiah? Could he be the one? And They were confused. Then... Along comes Philip. Philip is filled with the Holy Spirit. Philip proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. The gospel, the truth, it dispels all lies. It sets hearts free. It brings order into a confused situation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result, what happens? Many believe. Many come to faith, they're baptized, and the power of God broke the spell that the sorcerer had on them. The power of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, broke the spell. Many people found this new life in Jesus Christ. This story should really strengthen our our belief in the Word of God. That's what the Word of God, the Word of God breaks down strongholds. The Word of God demolishes strongholds in our life and keeps them down. The Word of God will overcome any obstacle in your life and give you new life to all who would believe the message. That should give us great power and great strength to go, wow, this is exciting. Simon looks around and goes, wait a minute, I'm losing my gang. I'm losing my fan club. I'm losing all my people. They're running away. And, like a good counterfeit, we said this last week can't beat them, join them. He becomes a Christian we think. He believes, it says, and he was baptized. Now he can blend in with the crowd. He can be recognized as one of the group, and he can do his thing and walk through a way. We quoted last week in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. We have someone here, an agent of Satan, a person who's coming in, a counterfeit, and he's transforming himself into an angel of light, a minister of righteousness, and we can't tell the difference. The Scripture says that this is what Satan can do, and his followers can do the same thing. Those that would come into a church and looking like Christians talking like Christians, acting like Christians, when indeed they are not. They are not Christian. They behave like Christians. We think they're Christians. In verse 13 it says, And when he was baptized, this is talking about Simon, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracle signs which were done. He was amazed at the miracles. He was amazed at the signs and wonders. I can see Simon following Philip everywhere he went with his scroll. Well, How would you do that one, Philip? Well, pretty good. Hmm. you know, trying to get the hook, you know. You ever see a bunch of magicians get together? They're all trying to get tricks from each other, trying to learn the tricks of the trade, trying to get better at what they do. This is what Simon's doing with Philip. He's following him around. He's accepted. He's one of them. He's taking notes, find out, hey, I want to put this on my bag of trips. I'm going to use this. This is pretty good, Philip. How'd you get that one done? I asked you a question last week. I said, do you think Simon was really saved or not? We said it wasn't our job to expose those who would be counterfeits, but that the Lord would expose them. It's interesting that the Lord does say that we will recognize false teachers, false prophets, those who are wolves in sheep's clothing, by their fruit. In fact, in Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20, Jesus declares that. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. What's he saying here? He's saying beware of these false prophets, beware of these counterfeits. They're going to try to guide you down this broad path. This great big broad path that they've painted for you that you can go down there. Oh, All ways lead to God. Well, oh, there are many ways to get to God. Come on with us. There are many, many things that you can do. Many ways to get to God. Instead of that narrow path. That narrow path, that narrow way to Jesus Christ. These counterfeits, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. This is the nature of these false prophets, these counterfeits is to deceive and to deny their true character. Often they even deceive themselves. They even think they're saved. They even think they've made a profession of faith somewhere. It says you will know them by their fruits. We guard ourselves against these false prophets, and we look at their fruits, what they're doing. This means paying attention to the aspects of their life and their ministry. What is coming out of their life? What is coming out of their ministry? What does it look like? We should pay attention to the manner of living, especially teachers. Do they show righteousness, humility, faithfulness? We should pay attention to the content of the teaching. Is it fruit filled true fruit from God's word? Or is it things that tickle your ears and make you feel all tingly and good? What is it? Is it convicting or is it just always uplifting and there's never a convicting, and there's never sin is not mentioned, or 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 EH word, hell. You don't mention those things. It just tickles your ear and tickles your fancy. You need to beware, it says. These are ravenous wolves. We should pay attention to the effect of the teaching. Are people growing in Jesus or are they merely being entertained? Where's what's the fruit? It's my heart's desire. It's my heart's desire to see that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That you would grow and mature as a true Christian of God, a true believer, and that your fruits would show because your life would change, the way you talk, the way you act. Things would happen in your life that would be different because you would be truly following the gospel of Jesus Christ as best as you can. Are you going to make a mistake? Absolutely. Make a mistake almost every day. But God is gracious and great, so loving that he gave his only son, and whomever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the trueness in one's life, the trueness in one's life, because your life will tell people volumes. You can't be sitting in a bar pounding down Bruce saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. It doesn't match. There's not a match there. I'm sorry. I don't have anything against drinking, but there's no match there. I wonder if Philip had any reservations about Simon. What if Philip ever thought about Simon. I mean, he did baptize him. If Philip had any reservations about Simon, my belief is that he would not have baptized Simon. But that's what Simon was good at. Simon was good at trickery. Simon was good at deception. Simon was good at wearing the cloak of Christianity over his head. I mean, we can fool each other all the time. We can fool each other, but you're not going to fool God. You're not going to fool God. That's the problem with counterfeits. You can't always tell. You can't always tell what's going on, whether you're getting the full truth from them. But as time passed, Simon fruit, Simon's fruit appears. Simon's trueness comes out, and that's what usually happens. As time goes on, the truth comes out. Simon is exposed. The counterfeit is exposed.
0: You are sure. The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings and acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth, and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope, as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Schenck. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Us. We're ready now to stand up on our